Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. The lights are out. Curry gets it. The lights go out. The game is over. And we're here to pick up the pieces. This is Warriors Wrap-Up. On 95-7, the game. Curry down the right sideline. Screen by Porter Jr. Curry takes a three. It's up and good! A heat check three off the screen. Curry's got 29. And the Warriors have outscored Boston in the third. 27-12. They lead by 17. And the Warriors would go on to outscore the Celtics 35-14 in that third quarter. Uh, they would lead by as many as 29 and go on to win game two, 107 to 88 here inside Chase Center. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason with you as this series is now tied at one game apiece. Whitey, uh, not a lot of pieces to pick up tonight, <laughs> much fewer uh, pieces to pick up tonight uh, compared to Thursday night. And a big part of that was the Warriors really ramped up the defense yeah. against this Boston Celtics team, especially in the middle two quarters. 66 to 34 Warriors in the middle two quarters. Another dominant third quarter for the Warriors, and uh, they even this thing up and have to be feeling a lot better about things than they did just a few hours ago. Yeah, JD, the parade is back on. Yay! The parade is back on. I thought Steph said it best after the game when he talked to ABC and he said, We came out with the right defensive energy and approach. And he said on offense, we were a little more organized. Yeah, you're right. The Warriors got much more pressure on the basketball from the opening possession when Al Horford gets the ball and Draymond says, That's mine. You know, that's what Boston had been doing to the Warriors in game one. Uh, and then I thought the Warriors responded to that ball pressure when they had the ball by running more high pick and rolls, and Steph was masterful out of those. So, yeah, the, the Celtics also had one of those nights, J.D., we talked a lot about these, where you know they have quarters, stretches, sometimes a quarter, sometimes longer, where their offense ceases to function. The Warrior defense had a lot to do with that, but to my eye, coming out of halftime in third quarter is like, Oh, Boston forgot how to play. They don't know. They don't remember how to play half court basketball. It happens to them. And then when they're turning the ball over two, and the Warriors get out in transition, uh, the the game just started going downhill for the Warriors. I mean, in terms of they they had all of the uh, momentum and thirty three points off the nineteen turnovers. Thirty three points, uh, second most in a finals game. Uh, by any team in the last twenty five years. So there you go. But it started with the Warriors uh, at the defensive end. 
Yeah, and I think it was some championship defense, some championship-level grit and determination because there were points in the game early where it looked like, uh-oh. It really did throughout yeah. much of the, the first quarter and even at times in the, in the second quarter while the Warriors were trying to, to kind of hang on and, and get the, the momentum flipped a little bit uh, back in their favor, th- there were points where it, it, it almost did feel like an extension a little bit of game one, but they stuck with it. Uh, the, the turnovers, I thought, critical. couple of key adjustments for the Warriors as well. Gary Payton II, what could he bring to the table? Gary Payton II was a major mm-hmm. factor in this game. A plus 15, he basically took the Andre Iguodala minutes and then doubled them because he was playing so well. Uh, what would the, the rotational tweaks be? It was Gary Payton II for Iguodala who was out uh, as his knee had swelled up a little bit. And Nemanja Bielitsa also getting a little bit of time in the rotation. But uh, I think we got to just give Peyton a nod. We knew nothing about what he could do. I know we're going to hear from him in his post-game press conference going into it, but he, he hit a three. Uh, he took a tough fall early, but just his presence defensively gives the Warriors just an added dimension to where they can slow down the Celtics enough to maybe make it more of a, a zero-sum type of a game and allow their own offense to, to get rolling over the course of, of 48 minutes. I know before the game we were talking about who who he would guard and what he would do, and I know I said, hey, well, I'll, I'll put Wiggins on Tatum, and then I'll put uh, GP2 on Brown. Well, they had GP2 on Tatum, and he did a great job. And then when he you know, he got fouled, you mentioned that, that tough fall, those two free throws looked, oh, they looked they looked really bad. And then when what was it like in there when he knocked down the three, J.D.? That place must have been going crazy. Yeah, one of the big, one of the bigger eruptions of the night. Not quite as uh, as big as when Steph Curry electrified the building in the third quarter uh, with uh, you know, multiple three pointers, and then Jordan Poole at the mm-hmm. buzzer uh, there in the third quarter, uh, seeing him get it going a little bit in the third, I think has to, to be making the Warriors and their fans feel a little bit better about the prospect of him maybe becoming more and more of a factor as, as this series goes on. But yeah, Curry just electrifying in that quarter. And now we look at Steph Curry through the first couple of games of this series. And look, it's a 1-1 series, but Curry's averaging, what, 31 and a half, and he's shooting about 46% from three. And, you know, he's having himself not so quietly uh, a, a, an awesome series through through two games and as this thing gets extended uh, if the Warriors can win it I mean he's he's right on track <laughs> not, don't want to get into it right now but he's right on track for for ultimately uh, what what the Warriors and, and their fans want to see from from him if the dubs are able to to win this series another thing we talked about before the game was how important it was for the Warriors to play with more force than the Celtics tonight how important it was for the Warriors to make the Celtics Celtics feel them at both ends. And we've already talked about defensively, uh, they got a lot more pressure on the basketball. But to the point you just made, I mean, Steph just ran things offensively. You know, Boston's whole game is geared towards trying to slow him down. Um, They had some success with that after the first quarter in the first game. But tonight, Steph definitely made the Celtics feel him. And again, the way he ran the high pick and rolls and was able to hunt who he wanted to go at. Boston didn't have an answer for him tonight. Uh, That was a dreadful second half for the Celtics. I guess they can feel like, ah, you know, we got the one. We're feeling good. But, I mean, it's amazing how different this series looks, the whole complexion of the series compared to what it looked like after game one. 
Yeah, we talked about Gary Payton. I thought Andrew Wiggins was much more active in the game tonight. Uh, I think his presence was felt more, even though he had 20 points in game one and only 11 points in, in the game tonight. And Draymond Green was just on one. You talked about the first play of the game before he went and accepted the challenge of, of defending Jalen Brown. The Warriors did make that switch that we talked a lot about, and I know it was written about uh, as well over the last couple of days. But on that first possession to just to just set the tone that Al Horford was not going to get loose in the manner that he was able to get loose on Thursday night, and, and you just start looking around. Uh, you know, Tatum, 28 points, but the Warriors made him work for it, hit some threes. He wasn't very good early in the game, then had a, had a hot stretch, and then winds up being a minus 36 for the night. But you look at a, a couple of the guys that killed the Warriors in game one. Al Horford, two points tonight uh, after the 26 in game number one, and Marcus Smart had two points tonight. Uh, so four points combined for those two after they had, what was it, 44 points combined in, in game number one. And Derek White from 21 to 12 in this one. So just much better defense and greater intensity and more of a purpose. And the Warriors, I think, starting to figure some things out a little bit in this series uh, as far as, as how they're going to have to attack uh, the, the Celtics on, on both ends of the ball. 888-957-9570. Phone lines open. We want to hear from you as we get this thing rolling here from Chase Center. It's a 1-1 series in the NBA Finals. Warriors beat the Celtics tonight 107-88. to uh, let, Let's get it rolling on the phones. What do you say, Why? Are you ready for some calls? Yeah, let's do it. Let's tip it off. All right, let's tip it off with Charlie. Charlie's up first here on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Charlie. Hey, evening, guys. What's going on? Um, just following what you were saying, the presence of Gary Payton was, was I, I mean, over Andre Iguodala night and day, in my opinion. Um, I thought Jordan Poole, their, their offense goes – According to uh, if Poole plays well, their offense just goes to another level. Um, uh, Draymond Green seemed to be getting into their heads, which uh, he, he played. He was on that fine line of uh, being an agitator as well, the way he played aggressively. I thought a lot of the Celtic players played into, got in, you know, I think even the, the coach got a tech from some of the fi- uh, fi- uh, stuff that Draymond was doing. Did you think, I have a question for you guys, did you think uh, Draymond Green was, uh, should have gotten a T on that second call with, uh, um, I think, he, with Brown? I think he probably gets it if he doesn't already have a, a tech, but but you're not going to eject somebody for, from the game on a on a play like that. So no, I, I wasn't surprised, given the fact that he already had a technical, that it wouldn't be. I, I didn't think they would they would kick him out of the game because I didn't think it was egregious. Yeah, and I think um, if that's a regular season, yes. Uh, and to your point, JD, if he didn't have one, yes, but um, yeah, in that situation, but he did and, like, and it's the finals, <laughs> yeah, and you can, you know, you can debate that. I know they they were debating that on the telecast, but I think bottom line is like you don't want to throw somebody out there in the you know second no. quarter of the finals. <laughs> And also, I think you know, Jalen Brown did kick his leg out on the play, and I know that part of the play was not being reviewed, but it it did look like 
and I know they were reviewing the aftermath of it and, and, and whether Draymond caught him uh, and whether that would have been you know, tech-worthy. But on the replay, you could kind of see Jalen Brown kicking his, you know, kick his leg out, and the foul was called on Draymond Green, which, okay, that, that's fine. But that was something you – know, I think you can also, when you review it, see that maybe you got the – Maybe you got the call wrong. I don't know what your take on that was, but you're not going to kick a guy out on a call that, that was wrong that maybe you can't overturn now because it didn't get challenged. Right, and it also gets back to who knows. Maybe it'd be different if he hadn't gotten thrown out you know, early in the Memphis series and there was such a, a understandable controversy about that. But, yeah, the officials, that's, that's, I agree with the notion that that's good officiating, taking the game and the series situation into account when you decide whether to penalize somebody excessively for, for something. Yeah. And really, ultimately, nothing really happened. And, and look, I do think you know there are a lot of nights where I think fans are frustrated with with the officials and and maybe think that that their team didn't get the benefit of the best whistle. I'm just going to say this and say it one time. And it, and look, it happens in the NBA. It, you, it Charlie mentioned you know, Ime Udoka getting a technical foul and, and the Celtics players as the game went on getting more and more frustrated. I, I'm just going to I'm going to put the right on the table. The Warriors got a good whistle tonight. They mm-hmm. they did. They they got they got a good whistle tonight. It mm-hmm. didn't. I'm not. I don't want to make too much of it, but for all the times fans want to point out maybe that maybe a team doesn't, I think tonight would not be one of those nights for the Warriors just being real, real. I thought they might end up getting a better whistle. I'm not disagreeing with you. I don't think it was, you know, it wasn't um, over the top or anything. But yeah, for the most part, I, I would agree with you. Warriors don't have much to complain about, if anything, to complain about in terms of the officiating this evening. They got to make their free throws, though. Yes, definitely have to make the free throws. That was something that could have potentially caused some more problems as the game went on. It, it ended up 14 for 20, and the Warriors wind up winning by 19. So 8 at 8, 957-9570. Let's keep it going here on the phone lines. Tim in North Carolina is next on 95.7 The Game. What's going on, Tim? Tim. What's up, guys? Guys, it was nice to see this strategy change from uh, allowing the others to get off and and seeing them shut that down, man. And it, it's just something about, I don't know what it is, it's just a conference level when seeing GP2 out there, man, is just knowing that he's bringing that defense. He's an irritant, and he's all up in those guys. And, you know, the last thing I wanted to say, man, is uh, if Clay joins the party at any time, I really think we can really take control of this series. I mean, tonight we did all of this. And Clay is, you know, he's barely a a participant in this thing at this point. So, um, again, like I said, it was just great to see the strategy change. It's amazing that we do all this talking on talk radio, and a lot of it was about putting Jalen, putting Draymond on Draylen Brown and Clay on Horford, and then you see that happen pretty much within the first two minutes of the game, man. So we do kind of know what we're talking about on this (laughs) thing from time to time, I guess, fellas. Um, But thanks, guys. Take care. (laughs) <laughs> All right, Tim. Tim in North Carolina checking in. 888-957-9570. Nice adjustment there from, from the Warriors in an attempt to just change things up, set a little bit of a different tone, and give the Celtics a, a different look. I think it's, it's better for both players. I think it's better for Draymond to be more at the point of attack when somebody's trying to, to go at him. I know you had some concerns as to, all right, how's that going to look? Could, you know, what, what if Jalen Brown starts beating him to the basket? Uh, but then Clay Thompson, I think it's a more favorable matchup for Clay at this stage of, of his return to, to maybe <laughs> to be guarding a bigger player, somebody that, that, that isn't going to you know blow him away with, with his quickness or, or his own athleticism. So I think that that really benefited Clay, and, and he was 
able to to keep Horford from from running amok. And I mean, Horford for a good chunk of this thing didn't didn't even have a, a field goal attempt. He didn't even take a three in the game tonight. And I know, right. uh, you know, if you get close enough to him. He's just going to keep the ball moving, and and it was you know those easy passes to him where he was wide open just just weren't there. Yeah, as far as Clay goes, you know that's um, that's an interesting situation, and that's if there's you know if there's one one thing about tonight that makes you as a Warrior fan feel a little uncomfortable. It's probably Clay, and it was interesting that even when the game was out of hand, Clay was still in the game, presumably you know in an effort to try to get him going. Jalen Rose said something really interesting after the game on ABC. Uh, he said, "Look, we know that Clay at his very best, sixty points on eleven dribbles. He said Boston's taken that away from him. Boston's forcing him." to put the ball on the floor. And you combine that with the fact that he is still struggling, you know, a little bit physically to get back where he was, I think that goes a long ways towards explaining why his jump shot just, uh, you know, it's flat at times, it's short at times. Is he going to find it? I don't, he could, he might, J.D., but um, I I don't think he knows the answer. Now, the best thing is for him to, you know, keep getting good shots and keep taking them. Yeah, and I think at this point, I mean, it's it, it's one game where I, I don't think he was bad in, in game one, as we talked about before the game. I thought tonight, obviously not a great shooting game and the one of eight from three, but the one thing I, we do know, and I'm, I'm going to stick up for Clay in this sense, look, it, as much as I'm confident that that he's not going to just be a dominant player for an entire series. He is going to have a game or two where he's awesome, and he hasn't had that game yet. And so I, I actually kind of look at it the other way. I think one of these games here in the next, let's say, three, he is going to light it up. And and so what what kind of impact is that going to have on, on the game? Like I, I would almost guarantee you that at some point, uh, if this thing goes another four games, uh, and on that would put us at through six, Clay Thompson's going to have one game where it's a monster game for him, almost regardless of whether he's being well defended. And I do think he's being well defended. So I think the fact that the Warriors were able to to get this win and get this win with Poole maybe starting to get going a little bit toward the end there in that third quarter, and Clay still ter- still searching for it, Curry just doing his thing, controlling the game, uh, decision making, everything on point, the, the defense and the physicality at a championship level. You know, every game is, is kind of different. And and so I think I think, you know, he's just as apt to come out in the in the cauldron that will be the T D Garden on Wednesday night or on Friday night in a game that the Warriors are going to have to win one there and and be a major factor. So I'm 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 in a way I'm concerned, but in another way I, I also know that the one the one big game is, is coming for him, even though it, it wasn't necessarily tonight. Uh, let's get Luke Mann in Vallejo next on ninety five seven the game. Luke Mann, what's going on tonight? Hey, how you doing, JD? How you doing, Whitey? Thanks for Good. having me on. Um, I'm I'm on my way. Oh, we lost you. You, you there, Luke? Man, yeah, he's gone. Idris and Hayward on ninety-five-seven. The game eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. What's up, Idris? Hey, hey, can you hear me, fellas? Yep, loud and clear. Okay, perfect. Yo, talk about Draymond single-handedly punking everybody on the Boston. I love the way the refs did not, you know, put it into consideration. He let them know, I'm here. You guys aren't going to punk me. I'm grown. I've been to the finals. You guys just got here. Steph Curry played a really – I mean, talk about Steph Curry's defense is really like – mm-hmm. like they don't give him enough credit for the defense he, he plays. He hit his threes, put the game away, and, and talk about waving the white flag. I mean, I have respect for the Boston coach, but he literally sent a message to his team like, 
if you play like this, we're done. So he benched him right away. The Warriors needed this convincing win. And I'm pretty sure we're going to steal the next one because Boston is terrible at home. Good. That's all I got, y'all. Take care. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, terrible. They're they're five and four in the playoffs. They have had a tendency to come out and play flat at at home and play flat in in some some moments where you think they have an opportunity to really make a statement. And so, I mean, I definitely think Game Three applies. The Warriors have the momentum going into to Game Three, and and really the onus now is on the Celtics to, to kind of reestablish it going home if they are going to win this series. You know, the Warriors are going to try and go in there and, and, and continue what they did tonight and defensively have some success. Uh, but, but I think the, you know, the onus now shifts to the team that just lost and the team that's going home to, to hold serve, and, and we'll see if the Celtics can do it. I think they lost a lot of that. We won game one glow tonight. You know, they scored 58 points over the last three quarters. And as we know, that is an issue for them at times when they don't play well. Their offense bogs down. Uh, real quick, just on Clay. I know we were talking about Clay. I agree with you. I mean, if Clay were going to have, if you could pick uh, Clay, your four for 19 night, have that game two the night we win 107-88, okay? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. And also, even though he's not making shots, he's, he's taking good shots. Remember? end towards the end of the regular season when people were, you got to bench him. He, he not only was missing shots, he was taking bad shots that were disrupting the offense. He's not doing that anymore, and that in and of itself is a positive. All right, let's get to our hero of the game, our Handyman Hero of the Game, brought to you by Handyman Heroes. Handyman Heroes, your one-stop shop for home repair and remodeling. Mention the game for a 10% discount on all labor. Visit www.handymanhero.com. Es and uh, I'm going to give the nod to Gary Payton the second mm. tonight in his return, 25 minutes, three for three shooting mm. the basketball. Did knock down that corner three. The free throws were a little rough. He took the the spill uh, there that kind of made everybody wonder what was going on. But a plus 15 and and just a, a more he fits this series. His body type, his skill set fits this series against this Celtics team. And I thought he gave the the Warriors a, a big time joy at a spot where they, they really needed it. So he is my handyman hero of the game, Whitey. Uh, you want to add to that or maybe give a nod to somebody else? Uh, feel free. It would be criminal not to second that. And I know Steph was fabulous, but, yeah, Gary Payton second was phenomenal. He also had... You know, he had three assists. He didn't turn the ball over. And he just, he single handedly almost can change the complexion of this series, given what he can do uh, to you defensively at your point of attack. So, as I said, you know, before the game when we were talking about what could he do, hey, I was saying perhaps, you know, with Gary Payton the second in there, if you could put him on Brown or Tatum, all of a sudden Boston has another problem to deal with there that they didn't anticipate. We didn't know if he's going to play in this series based on the way he played tonight. He's not only going to play, he's going to be a real factor as the series heads to Boston. Austin. All right, Raphael in San Francisco. Raphael, you're next on Warriors wrap up on 957 the game with JD and Whitey. Uh, and before Raphael, before you go, I just want to make sure everybody Gary Payton, our hero of the game, brought to you by Handyman Heroes, your one-stop shop for home repair and remodeling. Again, mention the game for a 10% discount on all labor. It's handymanhero.es. All right, Raphael, you're up here on Warriors wrap up. What's going on tonight, my man? What's up, J.D.? What's up, Whitey? Thanks for taking the call, y'all. Yeah, I just wanted to reiterate GP2 was really amazing tonight, really a a difference maker. But uh, something I've noticed all season, and I don't think it gets talked about a lot, but for some reason when they come out swinging and uh, they 
you know, they have uh, a great Curry first quarter, for example. For some reason, I- I've found I'm more worried by the fourth quarter than I am when they're down by 10 at halftime. And I don't know what it is about the team, but something about them coming out swinging and playing really well first quarters, I find that generally those games they lose. Whereas if they're down by 10 at halftime, I have no concerns. And tonight was one of those nights where I felt really good about the first quarter, even though Curry definitely didn't have the quarter he did last game. So I just thought that was something interesting. I wonder if you guys had any thoughts on that. Yeah, there's just a different tone to tonight. I'm not sure I'd go all the way with you on the on the big first quarters, but but the Warriors and look, the first quarter was a little was a little rough. Although the Warriors did have the lead uh, at the end of the first quarter, I mean they got down 13 to five. They got down uh, nine uh, after that, and then they closed the first quarter very well to take the lead. And it was almost the opposite in a way of Game One where. You thought, wait a minute, that the Celtics had this lead, and now it's the Warriors are ahead. And I thought the halftime score was kind of that way, where the Warriors wound up being. If the Celtics had been up four, given the way the first half had played out, I think you would have thought, wow, the Celtics have got to really like where they're at, you know, right now, uh, you know, given all factors. But I, I think the big takeaway for me was just, you know, and I think Draymond set that tone early. The Warriors were just much more gritty tonight, and and physical, and defensive oriented, and and you know what? If if they had to win, I, I felt like the Warriors. If they had to win ninety five eighty eight tonight, they they would have been comfortable doing it. They they ended up scoring mm-hmm. one oh seven, but it felt like they were they they were just gonna going to do it with defense if they had to and that mentality I think was what allowed them to, to play as, as well as they did and eventually take the game over once the offense came along for the ride in that third quarter. I think Raphael may suffer from something that a lot of Warrior fans suffer from. It's called BLS, blown lead syndrome. And what it is, you go back to remember when they <laughs> when they blew the big lead against Dallas in the regular season? You know, remember that? It's mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, how did that happen? And then when you see what happened in game one, you, that happens once or twice, and it fills you with dread where you start to think, oh no, they're way ahead in the first quarter. This is terrible. So I think it's kind of a delayed stress reaction to some of the games that haven't gone well for the Warriors. But tonight, you're right, J.D., they uh, they were very gritty at one end. At the other end, they were, as Steph said, they were just a lot more organized. And again, at the risk of being redundant, Boston just helped the Warriors out offensively so much by all those turnovers, which allowed the Warriors to not only keep Boston from scoring, but get out in transition and keep the game going forward in terms of their momentum. So that's what it was all about tonight. Yeah, they a very gritty effort when that's absolutely what they needed to show tonight, and they did it yeah the the total on the turnovers tonight it it was what 19 turnovers for the Celtics and the 33 points you mentioned that seven in the first quarter leading to 13 points and the Warriors had the one point lead after trailing by nine and so the Warriors did I I thought settled in I thought there were a couple of couple of calls there that allowed the Warriors to to kind of settle in and claw their way back in to to have the lead uh also is we've talked about the rotation tweaks tonight Wiggins was out there at the beginning of the second quarter that was another thing we talked about uh, he was not in game one and Nemanja Bielitsa was mm-hmm. out there in the rotation uh tonight as well which I know was something that you thought even yesterday as we talked about game number two that that he would be out there so Wiggins was out there Draymond was not and uh, Bielitsa was out there as well uh, with Poole and Porter uh, and Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins 
Yeah, Bielita was, what, three for four, and he had five rebounds. He had three fouls. As long as he doesn't get destroyed at the defensive end, he's definitely an asset because he's such a good passer and he's a good shooter. Yeah, and the other thing the Warriors were able to do tonight was, you know, tonight they're centers. I mean, you look at Looney, Kevon Looney, a factor again, and Mm -hmm. the Warriors, I thought, were a lot more patient in getting behind the defense. Uh, Bielitsa was able to do it. Looney was, was able to do it. And, I mean, you you look at, at 18 points from Looney and Bielitsa. That, that's, that, that is some big-time found money right there to get those two to score 18 points. And, and they were and 9 so for today, 10 combined. They took it, 10 it, shots it, and made 9 of them. Yeah, 10 shots, made 9 of them, 19 points. And that's, you know, 31 minutes of action there. And so Looney, a, a big factor in the Warriors, able to, again, I think, take advantage of the way they were being defended mm-hmm. a lot like they were able to do against Dallas and at times Memphis, get behind the defense, get some easy buckets for their bigs. Yeah, if you're going to trap the ball, you know, somebody's going to be open. Um, and I think the Warriors did a much better job of dealing with that. As I said earlier, I think, you know, high pick and rolls uh, allowed them to draw the pressure out, made it easier to deal with. They were a lot more patient. And as Steph said, they were a lot more organized offensively. So really good signs heading uh, to Boston for game three of the series. 888-957-9570. Manuel in Dublin next on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Manuel. Hey guys, great show as always, man. I can't get enough of you guys, man. You guys, you guys could do the day show, the morning show. I, I you guys just really bring bring it perspective for, for all the fans out here, man. I really appreciate it. Well, Manuel, we're gonna. I think we're gonna be doing that on Friday, so you're really gonna like Friday because I think we're gonna be on Friday and Saturday. I think that the two of us are probably gonna be on about ten hours each. Nice over the span of about twenty four. So look forward to this Friday, brother. I will, but you guys will be allowed one call, and I can call it three times and be happy. But I'll only call it one. Hey, man, talk about Rudy Tomjanovich. Don't you know the question? The heart of a champion. I mean. I, you know, I've been hard on the Warriors on certain things just because my eyeballs don't lie to me. And I just thought the fight they had tonight, what you guys have said, all the players you've pointed out, and I, I just love that gritty fight and just the heart of a champion right there. That right there was so good to see our team, and not just to keep saying shut the media up in Boston. I listened to a Boston podcast today, and he didn't mention nothing about the game. All he talked about was the Celtics and, and the Lakers back in the He didn't even take it for serious for some point. So I, I'm, I, I just can't wait till Wednesday. I, I'm feeling good about this. I think, like you said, um, J.D., about uh, Clay getting loose, even if it's for 22, I'll take 22 because it'll, it's a confidence boost. And then, uh, um, oh, it just was great, man. Again, man, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I can't even know what to say anymore. You guys, thank you so much for allowing us to get on the radio and talk with you guys, man. We appreciate it. You guys have a great show, and I'll listen for yeah, thanks, thanks for the call, Manuel. And, and yeah, Wednesday's going to be great. These next two games in, in Boston are, are, are going to be terrific. And, look, it was a – the Warriors were, were backed into a corner. It, it was essentially a must-win game, and they showed their championship medal. They showed their championship pedigree. They had a response. I mean, that I, – I know at, at times I think – I don't know that anybody necessarily doubted it if you're a Warriors fan, Whitey, but but the but the one reality is we haven't seen the Warriors respond in these situations a lot because they haven't been in them a lot. Mm-hmm. Like typically mm-hmm. it's hey the Warriors are up two nothing, can they go win one in 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 wherever and and come back and close the series out, gentlemen sweep style. 
You know, like typically that's you know, they're at such a position of advantage because they've been so good that they haven't had to show the championship medal quite in the same way. But I'm not surprised at all that they came up with the response in the manner that they did. And I do think that's been one of the underrated aspects of this team this season has been their willingness to play more of a grinder type game, to play more of a physical game, to mix it up with teams like Memphis when when the Grizzlies want to mix it up with them, like the Celtics when the Celtics want to mix it up with them. They, they've been able to do that enough to where I think it has become part of, it's not the primary, but it's become part of this team's part of this team's DNA for, for this season. I just wanted to say thank you to Emmanuel for the kind words. And listen, I, I love talking to Warrior fans. I learned so much from talking to Warrior fans, and it's great fun, Manuel. So uh, you, you say th- thank you to us. I say thank you to you. You're more than welcome. It, it, it's been a blast. I think one of the big things that we got to talk about here, J.D., when we talk about the tone the Warriors set tonight, I mean, Draymond, a lot of that starts with Draymond. Steph, of course, was like, Climb on my shoulders, here we go. But Draymond was under control tonight, and he was so out of character in the first game, and obviously he knew it. And it seemed like the worse he played in game one, the more it was compounded by bad decisions or a bad shot. And tonight, you know, the numbers were not great, but he was solid. And he had, what did he have, uh, seven assists tonight, nine points. And he was under control. Even when it looked like he wasn't under control, I think he was. And I believe you made this point. He knew what he was doing. And he sent a message to Boston, and Boston, you know, was reported on TV. The players were talking about, what are we going to do about Draymond? And don't worry about Draymond. Well, he was a worry for them, so he definitely uh, caused them to lose focus a little bit, which no matter what you think of that, that was his game plan. It's who he got in their heads. He played very well after, let's face it, he played a really poor game in the last game. And the fact that he came out tonight, did all the Draymond things that he does on the court and in the heads of the opposition, that went along long ways towards helping the Warriors climb back into this series. Aaron in San Francisco, 888-957-9570. Aaron, you're on 95.7 The Game. Oh, hey, guys. Uh, I'll second Manuel. You're awesome. Love listening to you. Listen to you all week. I was at the game. It's interesting because when you're there, it feels very different than when you're watching them on TV. So I always record these and try to play back and figure out what was going on. But three quick points. Steph controlled the tempo. It was interesting to see because everyone, Steph has this chip on his shoulder where he, everyone says he doesn't have good finals, which isn't true. If you go look at the numbers and go back and the whole thing, but every time we needed a bucket, Steph went to the hoop. He didn't settle for the three. It wasn't a contested shot. Point number two, real quick, Looney killed it. Open court steal from our big guy. Mm. Like, loved that. Played huge minutes. Really needed him, and we got him tonight. And third point, real quick, Clay Thompson didn't have his best game. 11 points, I think 4 of 19, something like that. But Don Nelson method, shooters got to shoot. Keep him in in the fourth. Boston pulled all their starters. Clay was in there shooting him up. Let's get him going. And I agree with everybody. He's going to have a 30-point game. He's going to have a 40-point game. Clay's going to have his game, and that's all we need from him. If we can get everybody else going, we get one game out of clay, Steph's controlling the tempo in the finals. I just loved it. The whole thing was great. And the environment was incredible. 
Yeah, the grit and grind needs to be there, I, I think, for the Warriors. And I do think Clay will, will come along at, at one point and have a, a Clay-like game. Again, it, it, it may not be four straight, but at this point, I don't think you can realistically expect four straight. Aaron, uh, thanks for the call. It, it, it is going to be – the one, one part I am curious about, Whitey, looking toward Wednesday, is in kind of separating Clay from Jordan Poole. Uh, you know, to, to have Jordan Poole hit a couple and look a little bit more comfortable in that third quarter, that's the the one player that I'm sort of looking at as this series shifts now to the East Coast. Did Jordan Poole find something? Is Jordan Poole going to come out and be more of uh, in more of a rhythm on on Wednesday night? Because I think if he can play a little bit more like the Jordan Poole that we've seen at times in the playoffs, the the, the good Jordan Poole, that might be something that the Celtics can't totally account for. Yeah, uh, he dominated. I, again, I know when you talk about these matchups, it could be misleading, but he, he had an excellent game. You know, Marcus Smart, who was giving him some fits in game one, Marcus Smart had a really poor game. I'm with you. My sense yes. is, who knows, my feeling is Jordan Poole found something. When he made that dagger, what, end of the third quarter, I, I was at a 40-footer, and then they said it was a 39-footer, second longest shot ever made uh, in the finals. I guess Mark Jackson made a 40-footer. That was incredible. But to Aaron's points, and thank you, Aaron, for the kind words, I'm glad he said what he said about Steph. Because, you know, Steph is and always will be so much about the numbers because they're so incredible. The shooting numbers and how many threes. and, and But tonight it was more than the numbers. And his numbers were great, but he just was in command of the game. This was a step that some people say, some of the naysayers say, oh, he, you know, he can't, he's not that guy. He was that guy tonight because the Warriors, you know, and they got other contributions from Poole and Wiggins had a nice game and Looney. But it was, this was Steph's team tonight. This was his show. He played tonight in a finals game when his team needed to, when they needed him to. He played like the guy that a lot of people say he's not good enough to do that. He did it tonight. Yeah, he, he controlled the game. And, and look, I don't want, I don't believe in this on a game-to-game basis. I mean, it's a 1-1 series, but but look, he's right on track if the Warriors win this series to be the finals MVP. I know it's, again, not a big deal. I hesitate to even bring that up in a series that's tied because you got to have a winner before you can figure out who the finals MVP is, but but he's right on track mm-hmm. if the Warriors can, can keep this thing rolling and win it in six or seven or, or whatever it is. He keeps playing at the level he's playing at. It's probably going to be unanimous uh, at that point given the, the first two games uh, uh, that, that he's had. Uh, Aaron in Oakland next on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Aaron. Hey, how's it going, fellas? Uh, thanks for taking my call. A uh, couple of points. Um, NBA, this is really a, a make-or-miss league. Either you're going to hit shots or you're not. And so the Warriors did that tonight. And I think, if anything, the, the playoffs and the championship series has shown us that all of our shooters don't need to be hot in every game, either like Wiggins or Poole's going to be off or Clay's going to be off. Steph is on point. So if we got two of our four that's going to be on point, I think we're good. And and the previous caller, in terms of giving the game ball, I'm giving it up to Draymond because he was seriously the enforcer. I mean, he literally, like, stepped over four of those Celtics fools and let them know it's like, hey, we are not soft. You guys, everyone's talking about the Celtics being soft, uh, the Warriors being soft, but it's really the Celtics. And I think uh, Draymond is is letting them know, you know, that, that we're on point. 
Thanks for the call. Go ahead, Whitey. Interesting point about the Warrior offense. I think it's a good one, and it speaks to what makes them unique. Um, they are more democratic offense. Obviously, anytime if Steph's struggling, the offense is going to struggle. But as we saw tonight, you know they they scored 107 points and they win easily in a game where Clay's not making shots because they do have a lot of talented offensive players. I don't know, you know, game one obviously Boston would say, "Well, look at our guys," but obviously that's not sustainable. And they're still basically, uh, you know, the Warriors in the playoffs have been playing one man offenses. Now they're playing what looks like a two man offense. And when those guys, um, even even though those guys tonight, they they both of them had decent numbers. Well, Brown tailed off, but their offense really struggles and it's a great point. The Warriors uh, have a lot of different ways to to beat you offensively. All right, 888-957-9570. Luke Mann, Andrea, hold the line. We'll get to you. A couple of lines open right now as we keep this thing rolling. It's John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason. We'll come back. We'll tell you how important Game 3 is. Mm. It's, a, it's a big one and we'll tell you how big and that's all coming up. Warriors, even the series with the Celtics, 107-88. You heard it right here on 95.7 The Game. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Tap, tap plastics. The fantastic plastic place. Need to replace a boat window, refrigerator shelf, or patio tabletop? Tap Plastics has the plastic for your every need. Cut to the size you need it. Select the color, thickness, and size. Our knowledgeable, trained staff will do the rest. Often while you wait, we turn your ideas into reality. For a store near you, go to tapplastics.com. Tap, tap, tap plastics. The fantastic plastic place. The Oakland PD background and recruiting staff are looking for people who are considering a job in law enforcement. The OPD is hiring police officers, police cadets, and police communications dispatchers. If you're a high school senior about to attend college or have a high school diploma or equivalent, the Oakland Police Department wants to provide you with an opportunity to pursue your dream. Be the change you want to see and apply at opdjobs.com or text OPDJOBS to 510-330-2044. Hey, Niner fans. George Kittle here with a pro tip for making the best play on your eyewear. Visit Zinni.com, the official eyewear of the 49ers. 
Zinni has changed the game for you, finally making prescription glasses affordable for everyone. At Zinni, you can find over 3,000 frames with unbelievable prices. Look for the Kittles collection so you can rock our styles every day, too. So visit Z-E-N-N-I.com, start shopping from home using their virtual try-on, and change your eyewear game forever. Touchdown! 5G is here, but the big carriers want you to sign a pricey long-term contract to get access. Well, not anymore, because Straight Talk Wireless has rolled out 5G coverage nationwide with deals like our Silver Unlimited plan for just $45 a month and no contract. And get a Samsung Galaxy A32 5G for $249, all on America's best networks. 5G coverage, 5G phones, less money. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. The final wing is ahead of schedule. Slater's construction company has built a solid reputation. Foundation looks great. Let's get a team in place for analysis. Now they need structural engineers to support their business expansion. We should have engineers in-house. That would put us ahead of the competition. Indeed can help them hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Earn up to $500 in sponsored job credits by conducting interviews on Indeed. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Terms and conditions apply. Project Up from Comcast is working to help advance digital equity and build a world of unlimited possibilities. From connecting people to the internet to opening doors for innovators, entrepreneurs, storytellers, and creators, we can help create a future that benefits generations to come. Over the next 10 years, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach tens of millions of people with the opportunities and resources they need to succeed in an increasingly digital world. Learn more at comcast.com slash project up. It's time to say goodnight to that check engine light with the free AutoZone Fix Finder service. It'll help troubleshoot the likely cause of your light for free, so you can drive with peace of mind. Restrictions apply. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about those sounds? Those are the sounds of a brand new ice maker dropping cubes into a fresh glass of water, making this... The sound of savings on top brand appliances. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Final days ends June 8th to save up to 30% off select appliances. Valid May 19th through June 8th. Gas range extra. While supplies last. See store for details. It's time to turn up your summertime fun with Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea. Twisted Tea is a smooth, refreshing, real brew tea with 5% alcohol. So whether you're camping, fishing, or at the beach with friends, don't forget to fill your cooler with those bright yellow cans. Twisted Tea Hard Iced Tea. Keep it twisted. Twisted Tea Brewing Company, Cincinnati, Ohio. Please drink responsibly. Donate your car today at carsforkids.org. That's cars with a K. Your car, running or not, can be picked up as soon as the next day. No title? No problem. With gas prices at all-time highs, now's the time to donate. one 877 cars for kids K-A-R-S, cars for kids one 877 cars for kids Donate your 
With your donation, you'll receive a tax deduction and vacation voucher. So donate today. At Charmin, we heard you shouldn't talk about going to the bathroom in public. So we decided to sing about it. My sweet chick's feeling squeaky clean. When Charmin's rolling behind the scenes. Charmin TV gives me those cheeky clean feels. That ultra strong hype is all for reals. Those TV rolls got me a Charmin clean tuchus. Cheek to cheek feeling oh so shooketh. Charmin Ultra Strong just cleans better. Enjoy the go with Charmin. It's time to turn up your summertime fun with Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea. Twisted Tea is a smooth, refreshing, real brew tea with 5% alcohol. So whether you're camping, fishing, or at the beach with friends, don't forget to fill your cooler with those bright yellow cans. Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea. Keep it twisted. Twisted Tea Brewing Company, Cincinnati, Ohio. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMC FM at HD1 San Francisco. On Odyssey Station. Download the Odyssey app and favorite 95.7 The Game for the best and most up-to-date Warriors coverage. Curry goes behind the back, takes it, shoots it on the go. Bank shot good with .5 to go in the corner. The Warriors have the lead. Tatum won't even shoot it. And at the end of one, Golden State has worked their way back for seven turnovers. And after trailing by nine, they end the corner with 31. And Boston has 30. Now back to Warriors wrap-up on 95-7 The Game. Huge response from the Warriors. Huge bucket there from Steph Curry to close the first quarter. Tim Roy on the call. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason back with you here as the Warriors win game two of the NBA Finals. 107-88 is the final. Series now tied at a game apiece as the proceedings shift from the Bay Area and San Francisco to Boston. Uh, Travel day tomorrow for everybody, including yours truly, and then a practice day at TD Garden on Tuesday and game three to be played on Wednesday night uh, in Boston. How important, Whitey, is game three Mm. in an NBA Finals series? Well, uh, history would tell you this, that it's pretty important. The 40th time in NBA history now, teams have split the first two games of a finals. In the previous 39 times that it's happened, the team that wins game three wins the series 82.1% of the time. So 32-7, and seven, the team that, that wins hmm. game three goes on to, to win the series in 39, uh, I'm sorry, in 32 of 39 instances. So big one in Beantown on Wednesday night. I think another positive for the Warriors, a, a positive way to look at it anyway, J.D., uh, please tell me whether you agree. I mean, the Warriors, yeah, we've talked about their grit, and they won with defense tonight. But again, they really didn't play that well. I mean, it's easy to say, going into Game 3, there's a lot of things we can do better. And I know Boston's defense had some things to do with that. But the Warriors overall, they, you know, they um, early in the start of the game, the first quarter, they, they didn't play especially well. They still blew some pick-and-roll coverages. Defense carried the day. So I'm not trying to say, oh, it wasn't that good. I'm saying that's great. When you win a game 107-88 and you can say, you know, we're, we're capable of, of a lot better than that. And that's not even taken into account. Clay Thompson, which, uh, who, have, as we've discussed, is capable of having a, a really big game or two at some point here in this series. 
Yeah, and the Warriors holding the Celtics to the 88 points. That's a postseason low uh, 88 points uh, there. And uh, you look at, at what the Warriors have been able to do. And neither one of these teams, Whitey, have been able to uh, – they haven't lost consecutive games. Right. The Celtics have not lost lost two straight. The Warriors have not lost two straight. Uh, so we'll see. Obviously, the Warriors – uh, are going to have to beat the Celtics two straight. The Celtics don't technically have to do that. They hmm. could win one, one, three, five, and seven. Actually, now because they won Game One, the Warriors will have to to beat the the Celtics consecutive games at some point in this series if if they are uh, going to ultimately pull it out. So eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero full phone lines. We'll give Luke Man and Vallejo another shot here. He's back at the top of the board on ninety five seven. The game. Hey, Luke Man, Vallejo. Hey, J.D. Hey, Whitey. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, just came from the game and want to say the energy in there was immaculate. It felt like the finals, um, that Jordan Poole shot at the end of the third, probably the most Oracle-like moment I've ever felt in my life, not being an Oracle. Um, but I just want to say Andrew Wiggins' second-half rebounding isn't getting talked enough about. He had some very key rebounds with that energy and putbacks that really helped our run to keep going, to keep it at a 19-2 to close out the third. I hope you guys have a great night, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate the call. I mean, we talked a little bit about Andrew Wiggins. He he seemed to have more of an imprint on tonight's game, even though he had nine fewer points in the game tonight compared to Thursday. He had the three offensive rebounds that Luke Mann's alluding to. The, the, those were rebounds that I, before the game, I thought Looney was going to get. But he's right. They were hugely impactful. By the way, another thing to my point here about how the Warriors really could have played better. J.D., how many layups did they miss tonight, right? I mean, they missed a yeah, ton they- of layups. They did. I do think part of that is the Celtics' defense. And I think, and I made the point, I think at some point in the first half, that the Warriors were missing layups now, I think, because of the pressure. That, that that the Celtics are putting them on them. They're missing open ones because of the pressure that the Celtics are putting on them on other possessions and because Robert Williams or, or somebody else is mm-hmm. able to, to come over for a block, and I think those start to have an impact even when you are open. Like I think excellent defense can take a toll to where teams miss – easier shots because the defensive intensity is ramped up to, to such a level. Uh, I'll give you another thing just to, before we get to another call, just that I had jotted down here. Uh, Jason Tatum and Robert Williams the third. I know Ime Udoka basically called it off at the end of the third quarter uh, with the, the Warriors up at that point, what, 23 and I, I thought it was interesting, I, I, early fourth quarter, I guess Tatum was out there at the beginning of the, the fourth for a minute or two, but Tatum seemed to be bothered at times by this shoulder injury that he's mm-hmm. been having, and, mm-hmm. and Robert Williams III took that spill uh, underneath the basket, and, and he didn't look like he was moving around quite as well. I thought he was early, and then he wasn't as the as the game went on. Uh, if if Robert Williams III is, is banged up, if Tatum's really dealing with something significant, I mean, that, that that is another you – know, I don't think the Celtics are good enough to beat the Warriors if those two are, are really going to be hobbled as this thing continues. Yeah, I think it was smart. I mean, Williams didn't just 
take a fall, Smart rolled into him, collided with him, and kind of banged him into that, banged into that. And, he, and Smart also, you know, he's been dealing with an ankle injury, and he looked fine last game, but he really struggled tonight. So uh, that's a great point. And speaking of the, the importance of the Warrior defense, shots at the basket tonight, according to ESPN, shots at the rim. Boston had a total of shots right at the basket, only six they only had six shots at the basket tonight against the Warriors. Tightened up defense. Yeah, tightened up defense, and both teams wound up 15 for 37 from three-point range uh, in, in this one tonight. But uh, the Warriors able to have the big third quarter. Second time in this series, the Warriors have the monster third quarter. So you look at, at the Warriors now uh, as this thing rolls on into game three and these last two third quarters for the Warriors have just been absolutely dominant uh, for for the Dubs. 73-38 combined in the the two games in the third quarter. Uh, The third quarter's also been problematic for the Celtics all year long. That's been their worst quarter of the year. So there's opportunities for the Warriors now. We'll see if that's a trend that that can continue moving forward here into into Game 3. Yeah, I know we want to get back to the phones here, but this has been... The weirdest postseason I can recall, J.D., in terms of you you try to figure teams out, and that's the nature of sports, but especially there's been such variance in this postseason where you think you have a team figured out and then they play the next game. It's like, what happened? I mean, what happened to the Suns against Dallas is a case in point. And, you know, these two teams, look at Boston, how good they looked in game one. And tonight, especially in the second half, it's like, wow, they forgot how to play basketball. So it really complicates things when you're trying to predict what's going to happen. But again, to me, it makes it all the more impressive that for the most part, throughout this postseason, the Warriors have been not only one of the best teams they're still playing, but probably the most consistent of all the teams playing in the postseason. No, I think that's a great point. 888-957-9570. Andrea in Berkeley next here on Warriors Wrap-Up. Hey, Andrea. Yes. Oh, do we... Hi, Hi how are you doing? Thanks for taking my hey. call. You got it. Yeah, that was a great, yeah, that was a great win. Uh, really, just glad to see the planets align and Mercury out of retrograde. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I have this uh, theory going, the Battle of the Pisces. Uh, Steph Curry, he's born March 14, 1988. And, you know, Jason Tatum is a full decade younger, March 3rd, 1998. So I was looking at their charts, and forecast-wise for Steph, he had a much uh, stronger forecast. He had um, Mars, which is a crucial planet for an athlete, rules energy, assertion, aggression, going in his 10th house of career. So this is really good for um, professional ambitions, concerted drive to reach the top, success, taking risks in and for his career. Also battles for his standing, fighting for position and authority. Mm. Oh, can you hear me? Yep, no, we got you loud and clear. No, I was just saying that's oh. in, that's interesting, Andrea. Yeah. Yeah, no, Mars is crucial. I always look at Mars crucial. for um, an athlete's chart because yeah. it's the most important planet. So you want to see it, one, in good aspect. And because I have an accurate birth time for Steph Curry, I can see uh, the different houses that the planets are transiting. He's 1.51 p.m. Akron, Ohio, which you may know is the um, same hospital LeBron James was born in. Yes. Yeah, there's yes. a little, they, they, little bit of uh, trivia for you. 
Good stuff, Andrea. Thank you very much for the call. So uh, we appreciate it. So again, Whitey, Steph, he's got a he's got a better chart than Tatum here going forward. That that's kind of what the eye test would tell me as far. I mean, Tatum's. I, I thought he played a really good floor game in Game One, Whitey. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he hit some threes tonight, but. He was he was not good in the first quarter, and in some ways, kind of keeping the Warriors in the game. I thought with with some of the shots and the turnovers were a little bit of a, a bugaboo for him. I think we're the only show that gives you, and I'm proud to say, we're the only show that gives you, you know, traditional scouting methodology and the analytics, and you know, some of the ast- astrology too. So uh, you're welcome for that. Thank you, thank you, Andrea. Tatum had, you know, what 28 looks great. You know, you look at this box score. Oh yeah, you know, nice game, six and nine. He really didn't have much of an impact on the outcome of the game, JD. No, not at all. So uh, yeah, I think that's it. You know, he did. I mean, yeah, minus thirty six tells the whole story. I think as far as as far as that goes, and now we'll we'll see the shoulder. I know the Celtics do have a number of players that are that are banged up that mm-hmm. have been playing through things. Tatum and, and Williams, and, and you mentioned uh, Marcus Smart as well. So so we'll see how that shakes out in the next couple of days. All right, eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. We'll keep it rolling here. Uh, uh, let's go to Joe in Pacifica. We got a lot of people that want to talk. We'll go a little rapid fire here with Joe on. 95.7 the game. Hey, Joe. Joe. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. What's going uh, on, Joe? I just came from a game. Lost my lost my voice. Totally worth it. Um, but with that being said, real quickly, really like how the Warriors attacked the rim, despite getting blocked a few times early in the game. And defensively, the rotations were awesome. I mean, Gary Payton's um, inclusion into the team cannot be overlooked. Uh, I mean, he was a plus 15 and had seven points on, on a fractured elbow. I thought his presence and him clogging the lanes was outstanding. He he literally, along with Draymond Green and a few of the other guys, was a huge difference maker on defense. I, I got to applaud the effort for him coming back on his first game in the finals, mind you. I, I mean, I, I'm hoping they can keep up this energy for game three. We'll see what happens. But, but thanks, you guys, and have a great night. Yeah, appreciate the call, Joe. And I know we talked about it before the game. I, I do think it was a little bit easier for Steve Kerr to go to Gary Payton the second. It sounded like he was going to do it anyway, but with Iguodala getting ruled out and, and having the knee soreness, knowing that Iguodala is unavailable, I do think makes it easier to play Gary Payton the second right now and not feel like you have to, to put maybe some lineups on the floor at times that could be a little bit compromised offensively. Yeah, that's a great point Joe made, and I think maybe, well, I'll just speak for myself, maybe I'd forgotten just how impactful GP2 had been. The Warriors have so many guys, you know, and so many, they, they, the rotation changes so much that, oh, he's hurt? Okay, well, who's next? But the way he played tonight and just, you know, defending at the point of attack so well and then making three shots. How many times has he done that this year where he defends well and he's like, he's four for four, he's three for three? I, I got to be honest, this may be totally unfair, J.D., but I'm sitting here wondering, why didn't he play in game one? I'm sure there's a very, very good reason. But you can't help but wonder, after watching how well he played tonight, why didn't he play in game one? Yeah, and the one thing that, that stands out along those lines, and, and Steve Kerr did address it, that, that he didn't think, even though he had been cleared, that, that he was quite at a point where he could play and be effective enough. But there have been a couple of different times this year uh, where Steve Kerr in a post-game press conference had said, hey, I maybe should have played Gary a little more <laughs> in games that they lost this yeah, year. I mean, yeah. I, there was, 
Uh, and so, I mean, that has sort of been a theme, not not that he's forgotten about necessarily, but again, I do think he can be a tricky player to fit into the combinations when you look at the way other teams try and defend the Warriors and, and having you know lesser scoring threats on the court at, at, at certain points in time. So 888-957-9570. Let's uh, continue here with Rich Ray in Richmond on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Rich Ray. Yeah, J.D., Whitey, you know, I need you guys to carry us through these finals. Like, uh, I need you, don't sub out, no no subs, no, you know, just, you know, um, I'm used to you guys. Hey, Rich Ray. Heart. Hey, I'm, a, I'm on a 540 flight tomorrow to Boston, my man, in the 540 a.m. tomorrow. So there's there's no, <laughs> boy. there is no stopping, no stopping, Rich Ray. I got to be up, I got to be at work at 730, but like, if I, I can't, I just need to hear you two. After the game, and then I can work it out. You guys brought up that yeah. stat, that eighty percent stat. I just that just brought stress into my life. Like I got <laughs> I wish I didn't hear that about game three. And that's not Until like fun. Wednesday. <laughs> you want to hear that like Wednesday at four o'clock? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, I listen during my lunch break and stuff like that. And it's like you know, I just, I didn't need to hear that stat. <laughs> but anyway, so. You know what I what, what I was shocked about tonight was like how the whole team just really loosened up when Steph just got going in the third. Like I felt like the whole team felt that they could make shots when they saw their true leader. I, I never really he's always been the leader, but like in the finals, it, it just loosened the entire team up when Steph got it going, and everyone thought they could make shots after Steph started making shots. That's my first point, and then my second point was that. You know, Draymond, I never seen Draymond so mouthy in a game. Like, and like Whitey said, he held the line. Like, I think Draymond's actually getting to a point where he knows how to really hold that line. And he told literally every single Boston player, every inbounds pass, every foul, when they're sitting at the free throw, he's talking. He told them all night, it's not going down like game one, guys. It's just. It's not y'all in for a dog fight. Like he's pushing, he's shoving, but he's not doing too much. And then my last point, when I'm gonna take it off the air, is that you know Tatum looks like a low grade Kobe Bryant out there. Like he actually plays just like Kobe. His his floor presence, his moves, his fadeaway. Like he would fit perfectly on our team. Can we get this guy? <laughs> I'll take it off the air, guys. Yeah, I I don't know about that, but yeah, I know he he Kobe was. I mean, he is a big Kobe guy, and you know, yeah. Kobe was his you know, favorite player growing up, and and he actually has acknowledged the fact that he he really does pattern his game after Kobe and the and the mentality, and and he even had what was an armband, I think, honoring Kobe, right, uh, with his number, a couple yeah. of yeah, with his number, a couple of points in the I think in Game Seven actually against Miami. Here's the thing, though, and, you know, rest in peace, Kobe. But, you know, Tatum had 13 assists in the first game. Kobe, I think it took him three years in the NBA before he had 13 assists. I'd have to double-check that. But, you know, Kobe, I don't know that Kobe ever had 13 assists uh, in the game. Great point that Rich Ray makes there. And don't worry about the Game 3 thing. That's going to work in your favor. You're going to feel great about it. That third quarter, Steph making shots. That was a a quarter. Poole made his two threes. And that, I think, loosened up the team too. Of course, by then, you know, maybe the game 
has already decided. But I do think that was very significant for the mentality of the team because one of the reasons I think the Warriors after Game 1, J.D., and you may disagree, fans may disagree, but one of the reasons they were so, you know what, we're good, I really think they were worried about Poole. And I know uh, Draymond said after the game, might have been yesterday, the day before, hey, I, I can't really be critical of him because i got to be accountable. I think they were really worried about how he'd respond because they know he, he had a really, really tough game. He was humiliated in game one, and they, they know that they really need him to come back as he did tonight. So I think that was a huge relief to see Jordan Poole making those monstrous threes that he did in the third quarter. Well, and it was a big comeback, Whitey, in, in the third quarter because his first half minutes were not good either. His first half yeah, minutes tonight yeah. were, I mean, he got pulled out and, and Steve Kerr went mm-hmm. back to to Curry for him at the end of that half because he was not playing well. So I, I right. think it was, it did linger, I think, even into the third quarter until he was able to hit a couple of those shots toward the toward the end of the period. Patrick and Fremont on 95-7 the game. Hey, Patrick. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good, doing well, doing well. Do you think? Do you think this game? You, did you notice that the Celtics seemed to be dragging a little? They were holding their shoulders and their knees. Do you think it's time for the uh, for their their long series to start hurting them a little bit? I think it's possible. I think the Warriors are certainly hoping that. I, I do think that's one of the the storylines to keep an eye on as the series continues is, you know, can the Celtics hold up? And also, you know, who holds up better, the Celtics or, or the or the Warriors? The Warriors is maybe the older team that's more rested. The Celtics is the younger team that maybe hasn't had as much rest. But, yeah, I kind of noticed that too, and, and in particular with Tatum and, and Robert Williams. They just didn't have close to the intensity that we saw from them in game one. And I know we talked a little bit about this before the game today. I don't know if on some level we already won one game here. Uh, They got off to a pretty good start, and then they started throwing the ball all over the place. And then just as a team, it's like they're – I know I keep saying this, their offense failed to function. And when your things aren't clicking, you know, basketball teams start looking, they start looking old and slow. When other teams faster and quicker than you and is more efficient, things start breaking down. It's just hard to have the same amount of energy. So I, to me, that and the nagging injuries that you mentioned, to me that has more to do with it than the fatigue over this long playoffs. But I, I don't know. We'll see. But I think it was just a matter of they played so badly tonight that everything kind of unraveled for them. And I think they also thought they got a couple of calls go against him and, yeah. and, and, and kind of packed it in a yeah, little bit good point. on that. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, it's just not happening for us tonight. Like, mm-hmm. this, this just not, it's not happening. So we're, <laughs> we're going to shut her down and try and, and, try and head on, on into Wednesday. But I do think that's a, a, an important key uh, moving forward to Game 3 on Wednesday. And then the only time in this series where it's every other day is going to be Game 3 and Game 4. There's mm-hmm. only the one day off in between games. There's two days off in between every other game. And, and now two days off with the travel uh, every every time that, that this thing will change venues, which who knows? I mean, the way it's, mm-hmm. it's looking right now, I know I had this series 1-1 after 2. I had this series 2-2 after 4. Coming back here even, and uh, that would mean a couple of trips back to, to the East Coast for these two teams. Do you wish they had the old two three two format? Uh, no, no. I I I like the two two one one one. I think the two two one 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 is is more fair. I do too. Um, I do too. Uh, yeah, I think it's more fair to the team with with home court advantage. Uh, 
I also think, though, you're probably more apt to maybe get a game six guaranteed uh, as opposed to – it's funny. I was reading a number on this before the series started, and I think I think the team without home court advantage has has won the series at a higher percentage than they did uh, bef- in the 2-3-2 format, which is not something that you necessarily would have expected. But And they only went back to it, what, in 2014, I believe, the year before the Warriors were – were in it for the first time against the Cavaliers, but I, I think I think it's been pretty even in terms of who was won the series, the team with or without home court advantage. Uh, and then uh, you you look at it uh, going back over the years. I think they went to the two three two in the mid eighties, and and in that yeah. series there were there were actually fewer uh, fewer upsets. So eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Filmo Mike is next here. What's up, Filmo? Filmo. Hey, what's up with it, Michael Whitey Gleason, JD? <laughs> uh, great win, man. Um, you, I, I was taught, I called earlier, and I was like, you know, and you had mentioned this too, Whitey. You was like the fact that you know you can use experience, and you know you kind of like you the big homie. You've been there before. You got experience, and you can use that to your advantage. All that was kind of like if it was if it was there, it's kind of wiped away. Last game, and I kind of said earlier that you kind of have to, um, like, beat them by, like, maybe 20, 25, maybe even 30 points to show them that you are, bro, this is the championship. This ain't going to happen again. And Draymond was doing that, and he was talking. One thing that I've noticed as I got older, because I be hooping, I played I played a little college ball, college, shout out to the Contra Costa comments. You feel me? I played a year, average eight points. Anyway, though, Ooh. if you talk, people, people you got to talk a little bit, man. You got to rattle people, man. Like, people can't handle somebody talking to them and they own their line about their game or whatever it is. You don't even got to say, you know, you don't got to make fun of them. But if you just talking, hey, bro, this ain't going to be the same thing as last game. We're going to beat y'all, for real, for real. You know what I'm saying? That goes That goes a little bit further, in my opinion. And you have to do anything you have to do to win the game in the championship. So I love that Draymond, like dude said a couple of calls earlier, he was talking, he was mouthy, and he's learning how to play that shroud of the line and play the fence. Big shout-out. To anybody that makes great wonton soup, I'm on a wonton soup hype right now. New new gold medal in the town, Chinatown, Oakland, got the best wonton soup. I want to know. Y'all have a great show, man. I'm I'm hyped. (laughs) Appreciate it. Filmo Mike checking in. You got any recommendations, Wadi? Uh, let's see. Is it the Grand Hot Pot in uh, Pacifica? You might want to try that if you like that style thing. I've been there. I think they have some terrific. Uh, I think they have terrific wonton soup. Eight points a game at Contra Costa. I'm impressed by Filmo Mike. The thing about Draymond, um, JD, I, I, I think we mentioned this earlier. It was reported on the telecast that Boston, you know, it was one of the, let's go to Lisa Salters. The Boston players were talking about Draymond's talking a lot. What do we do? And I mean, you could see Jalen Brown. Brown got into it with him, Grant Williams, and I guess Al Horford told him, don't worry about it. If we play the way we're going to play, you know, we don't have to worry about Draymond. But to Mike's point, I mean, it was an issue for the Celtics because he was really going at it. I mean, you know, you know what Draymond is. So for them to notice that, wow, 
wow, he's talking a lot tonight. Can you imagine how much Draymond has to talk for people to say he's talking a lot, <laughs> right? So it was it was definitely something that that was an issue for the Celtics tonight. Yeah, and I think that's that's an area where their inexperience definitely hurts them a little bit. And look, they were getting beat on the court as well. But I, I think you know, not going through that if they're trying to ask their vet sort of how they need to proceed, I, I do think that's uh, that, that's something that that's pretty interesting. Uh, let's keep it rolling here. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Greg in Fairfield is up next here on on ninety five seven. The game. Hey, Greg. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey. Can you, can you hear me? Yep. Loud and clear. What's going on, Greg? Okay, fantastic. Anyway, yeah, to uh, to uh, Fillmore Mike's uh, uh, point there, you know, it's a heavyweight boxing match. You know, you don't think Ali was in, in Frazier's head. You know, he felt him out the first round, just like we felt Boston out the first round. They threw some, some heavy blows. You know, we did the rope-a-dope. We took it. You know, we came back like a champ does this the second game. And, uh, you know, Draymond was talking. And, and the way you, you make someone fall, particularly a giant, you know, someone that is, uh, you know, like Boston, they're, they're, they're a very good team. But the way you make them fall is you get inside their head. As I think that the Warriors did that. I think Steve Kerr and, and Mike Brown did a great job uh, in, in, you know, in coaching and getting the Warriors prepared for this game. I am impressed with the unsung heroes, in particular, uh, the Elisa. I thought that he moved his feet well. He made it hard for them to, you know, to, 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 to come to the hole, you know, to, uh, 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 you know, mm-hmm. be effective in the paint. And he got some rebounds. So, you know, the un- unsung hero to me was the Elisa. Uh, you when you got some bigs down there and you give a, Kayvon Looney, uh, 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 a rest, you know, uh, I think they did an awesome job in coaching. And, and I, I feel that going to Boston in a, a, an atmosphere like that, they're still beatable. Miami proved that. They're beatable. So uh, I see the Warriors going back with the same intensity. And now that they're in, 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 in Boston's head, because Draymond made certain that he got in their head. I think we'll be fine. Thanks for the call. Uh, I don't know that I, I don't know that the Warriors are in Boston's head. I, we're going to find out, though. I think in in Game Three, to be sure. And you just go back to the last series and and you look at it. The Heat won two out of three in Boston and and won an elimination game for them. In Game Six, they they went in there one one, just like the Warriors are right now in Game Three, and the Celtics were flat. The, the huge first quarter for the Heat in that game, and and that enabled them to extend the series. Now the Celtics have been able to win enough on the road to make up for that, but you look at at this series, and you know the the Milwaukee series uh, before that, the Celtics. Two and two in the Milwaukee series. Won a, lost a pivotal game five. They did win game seven. They split the first two. So the Celtics have been vulnerable in TD Garden in the post in the postseason. They do seem sometimes a little brittle psychologically. I mean, you you you. I'm not saying they're you know gutless or anything because you win two game sevens as they did against Milwaukee at home and then in Miami. That takes a lot of courage. They do seem a little. 
you know, the fact that they lost that game six at home, sometimes the weight of expectation weighs heavily on them. They see, Fragile, I think, is the word really I'm looking for. So we'll see if what Draymond did tonight has any lasting effect going forward. Um, I just don't know what to expect from the next game. You know, you look at how differently things look now as compared to the way they looked after game one. I, I think the Warriors are in really great shape. Considering that they lost the first game at home, I think uh, they're in excellent shape. They, they're playing with more confidence, and I, I don't know which Boston team we're going to see uh, in the next game. But all this talk about you know the psychology of it, Draymond getting in their heads, it reminds me, J.D., real quick, I know we got to get to the phones. You know as well as anyone, 2002, you know, the Western Conference Finals, the Lakers and the Kings, and the Kings were the better team, but the, the Lakers felt like they, they can't win it. They're, they're we can beat them psychologically. They don't have what it takes to beat us. So that, that can be a very important part of a huge NBA basketball games. And I think Draymond fired a very important salvo in that regard tonight. No, I, I think he, he definitely did. And, and we'll see as this thing goes on how it, how it plays out. Uh, but the, the Warriors found – I think they, they found their baseline for how they have to compete in this mm-hmm. series. And it starts with the forcefulness and it starts yeah. with the defensive end and it starts yep. with just being being in the Celtics' face. The Celtics kind of pushed the Warriors around a little bit in game one. That was not going to happen tonight. Right. And the rest of it followed, I felt like, from there. So Coach P in Fremont as we get back to the phones at 888-957-9570. Hey, Coach P. Hey, uh, J.D. and Whitey, um, loving this Sunday evening, obviously because of the victory, uh, which, you know, we, it obviously wasn't a must win, but it was a gotta-have win, you know, to kind of keep this series even, even neck and neck. Um, you know, what I did like, uh, like you guys kind of mentioned, is just how the Warriors weren't really going to have that pushing around, that kind of, of you know, just kind of just uh, scratching their head kind of mentality in game one that they had really in the fourth quarter when, the Celtics kind of just had that, you know, just laid those bombs and just kind of took over, but not tonight. And, uh, I mean, what I take from this series so far in these first two games is that the third quarter consistently has been the Warriors. Like you guys have mentioned earlier in the evening, uh, their, their dominance in the third quarter has really shown this, uh, this series, and I'm expecting it to keep going for game three and game four. This win, obviously, for sure, is a game coming back to San Francisco, coming back to Chase, and, uh, you know, this is kind of whatever expected at the moment. So I don't know. If, I mean, I'm kind of sitting here debating, is it good that we won game two and, and kind of have a little momentum on our side? Or, you know, because either way, Boston did get the job done. They wanted one of them. They got him. But what I'm, what I'm hoping is basically Boston gets a little kind of overexcited a little bit, more turnovers on their end, and the Warriors to really tighten up the start of the games because they still have that kind of, you know, those crazy turnovers to start the games. I'm really hoping for game three that they tighten that up and just keep it close as the halftime comes and just come with the straight third-quarter bomb that we've been seeing so far. So I like our chances. Uh, Dubs and six. Warriors, go Jazz. <laughs> Thank, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah. 888-957-9570. John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason here on 95.7 The Game as the Warriors and the Celtics all knotted up now. Uh, at a game apiece. And, yeah, you look at, again, the last two series on that point, and I've been kind of digging into it, uh, the 
The Bucks won the first game of the series in Boston. So that the first game of that series played in Boston, the Bucks won. The first game of the series played in Boston in the conference finals. The Heat went in there, won one uh, in game three and one. And then both of those teams were able to win pivotal games. Mm-hmm. You know, game five, two to two, uh, the Bucks win, and then the Celtics were able to come back and win game six on the road. And then the, the game six where everybody thought, hey, the Heat are on their last legs. I know we both thought that. Mm-hmm. Celtics are going to close this thing out in Boston. And the Heat kind of had their way with the Celtics, hit a bunch of threes in that game, and, and Boston got off to a bad start and couldn't overcome it. Yeah, I think the really discouraging thing for Boston in that regard is both those games, if I recall correctly, um, a number of those games that you're talking about, they they had the same fingerprint, which was Boston's offense, like we saw tonight, where they just mm-hmm. ceased it ceased to function for an extended stretch. That's a real issue for this team for whatever reason. And as far as the third quarters, I know the Warriors traditionally come out, play well in the third quarter, um, so we know about that, but I wonder, J.D., if it's fair to, to question how much of an advantage the Warriors have here coaching-wise. Ime Udoka is an excellent coach. He's done a great job, but this is his first year as an NBA coach, and he's in the finals, and his team came out in the third quarter tonight like they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, and, and that comes on the heels of coming out in the third quarter on Thursday night in Game 1 and looking like maybe they didn't know mm-hmm. uh, what they were doing as well. So 888-957-9570. Khaled in Clayton is next. Hey, Khaled. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. How you doing? Uh, doing well. Hey guys, how are you? Um, you Good. know what? We talked about this, uh, I believe it was yesterday, um, when I said it came down to them making their, their others making shots and ours not. And that's exactly what ended up happening is, is our guys defensively, and, you know, great, great job in regards to the defensive adjustments done by Coach Kerr and the coaching staff. They were all up in Horford's jersey and White's jersey and Smart's jersey. They made it difficult for them. They let Jason Tatum, you know, and they got they let him get loose a little bit. But that's what we were talking about is the whole Luka, the Jokic. Let them eat and shut down everything else around them. And, you know, uh, Jalen Brown you know, had one of his typical games where he's there one game and he's not there another game. And what this is going to boil down to is who is going to be able to withstand the next counterpunch that's coming. And if the Warriors can go into Boston and take game three or game four, or, you know, God willing, take both games, this series can really change based on our ability to be able to play defense. And like I said yesterday, the biggest adjustment that needed to be made, and thankfully his health was there, didn't GP2 look like he hadn't stopped playing a month ago? Yes. I mean, my God, the difference that that team was able to make defensively because he was able to pester and get in the jersey, and regardless of the switch, whether it was onto a big or whether it was onto Tatum or Brown, he was able to suffocate them and make it difficult. And whether they made the shot or not, it was a much more difficult shot. And this is what yeah. we have as that trump card that we can play from here on forward is we can now throw that defensive stopper in there with Draymond. That makes it a lot more difficult and a lot more effective for the Warriors to be able to get the stop and get down the court to be able to get early offense so that the Celtics can't get into their early defense, which is suffocating. What a great game. Thanks very much for taking my call, guys. Love the show. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks so much. Thank yeah, you. appreciate it, Colette and Clayton. This thing appears destined at this point to be at least a six-game series. I would say that right now at, at one to one, and uh, we'll see. I think you know the history would tell you that that the that game three uh, is more important than game four. Uh, just based on the the 32 out of 39 in terms of the winner of game three going on to to win the series when it's when it's one one, but uh, I kind of agree. Just make sure you get back here on Monday, a week from tomorrow for game five, and and be in a position where you're not you're not literally trying to save your season because you're down three one. Get to a point where it's two two. Get that home game. And and then try and get that one, and then give yourself two chances to to win an NBA championship, either in the TD Garden in Game Six or or back here if necessary in a Game Seven. As Khaled said, Gary Payton the second. It was like the perfect addition after Game One. Boy, we really could use somebody who can you know get after it defensively and help us with their two best offensive players and really pressure the ball. Well, here's GP two, coach. He's ready to go. Perfect. I mean, that was perfect. And the the Celtics in Game One at times they were their defense was almost literally smothering. I mentioned the the play where Smart um, stole the ball from Jordan Poole in, in Game One. 
where Jordan Poole couldn't even square up on him. He's trying to square up, and Marcus Smart just reaches in and takes the ball. And the Warriors obviously saw that watching the film and like, well, we have to do that then. If that's what they're being allowed to do, then we have to do that. And Draymond Green did it on their first possession, which helped set the tone for the Warriors' defense the rest of the night. Let's get Jughead in Pleasant Hill. What's up, Jughead? Hey, what's up, boys? Hey. Let me turn off my speaker real quick. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, one thing that no one talks about the Warriors, and this is what the Warriors do so freaking good. The Warriors are the best. They are the best at a seven-game series. I don't know if you guys remember when playing at the park and you get to know someone when playing them in basketball. The Warriors are that good at that. They learn who they're going against. And this is why I don't trip about what the Warriors are doing. Because they evolve and they learn who they are playing against. And I just want to put a little shot out on a certain individual in the daytime that is a freaking scaredy cat. And I'm coming at him tomorrow. You guys know who I'm talking about. He panics. He goes crazy. And I'm coming at him tomorrow because he needs to learn that the Warriors are the best at learning and knowing about their opponent in a seven-game series. You know who I'm talking about. I'll take everything off the air, but I'm coming at him in the morning. Take care. Thanks, Jughead. Appreciate the call. 888-957-9570. A couple of things here. I I do want to hear a couple of minutes of Gary Payton before before we get out of here uh, at 10 o'clock. Uh, as he did have a major impact on on this ball game tonight, we also have our shot of the game as well. So so let's let's do our shot of the game, which is going to be different, believe it or not, from which what I thought was like. Sometimes shot of the game can be different from what we think is actually the biggest shot of the game. Sometimes shot of the game is just the coolest shot of the game. So uh, I'm just going to tell you, it, so we're almost going to have two shots of the game, hmm. but the official shot of the game is is coming up right here. Five seconds to go to pool. Pool crosses half court, fakes and fires from half court on the way. He got it! He hit it from half court! Pool walks away and says, yes, sir! I got this! Steph Curry goes over. Well done, you Padawan. Well done. <laughs> 87-64 as we go to the fourth quarter and 19-2 third quarter explosion for Golden State. Yeah, 19 to 2 to close it 35-14 overall in favor of the Warriors. So Tim Roy and Tom Tolbert there. Uh, your shot of the game, the Jordan Poole buzzer beater at the end of the third, presented by the County of Santa Clara. Book a COVID-19 booster shot now at sccfreefax.org, or you can call 211. So that's your shot of the game. I thought the biggest shot of the game or the most important shot of the game, Whitey, was Otto Porter Jr. Really? In the, in the third quarter, because the Warriors had pushed it up. Uh, from the two-point lead that they had at halftime all the way to 12. It was 68-56. 
with about six and a half minutes to go mm-hmm. in the half there. 68-56, the Warriors were up by 12. And then Grant Williams hit a three, and Jason Tatum hit a three. And right away, in a blink, it was 68-62. And really, Otto Porter at that point, 68-62, he hits a a, a big three uh, that, that put the Warriors right back up nine, and then the Warriors would, would end up pushing the lead from there all the way up to 23. That was the first shot of that 19-2 to run to, to close out the, the quarter. Otto Porter with that three after the Celtics had cut it from uh, 12 down to six. And it kind of in that moment, Whitey, felt a little bit like Thursday, like, oh, boy, here, here are the Celtics only down six, even though the Warriors are kind of putting it on them a little bit. That was a momentum-killing three-pointer, momentum-extending three-pointer mm-hmm. for the Warriors. Huge, huge shot. Yeah, good call. I'll say this about Poole's shot, a 39-footer. Uh, you know, that's one of the biggest changes in basketball in the last 15, maybe 12 years. I, I, I remember LeBron was the first guy, you know, early in his career who would actually shoot the ball from like 30 feet. You know, not just heave it, but shoot it. And I remember thinking, there's going to be guys before too long who are shooting the ball from 30, 35 Mm -hmm. feet. Steph does it. And that ball at pool, he was just across the half-court line. That was a shot. That wasn't a heave, you know, like, ugh, see if I can get it. He shot that ball. It was a beautiful shot. And he just, you could see the exhilaration and the relief that poured out of him when he hit that because that came on the heels of another three that he had just hit a long three that made the lead 20 points. Also want to give a quick nod here uh, to the lineup in the second quarter. The Warriors got down five in the second quarter after they led by one going into the frame. And it was uh, it was Steph uh, along with uh, Draymond Green, uh, Otto Porter Jr., Andrew Wiggins, and Gary Payton the second. So Steph was out there with Payton, Wiggins, Porter, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole had been pulled out because he was just having a rough go of it, and Clay Thompson was having a rough go of it. And so it wound up being Porter and Pate in the game for Clay Thompson and for Jordan Poole. And that group went on a 10 0 run. The Warriors were down five, they went up five. Uh, and then Clay ended up coming back uh, a little bit later after that. But I also thought that was a key sequence in the game. Second quarter where maybe the Warriors were starting to let things get away a little bit and were a little bit vulnerable. And that group, I think that's a five-person group that, that Steve Kerr maybe could go to a little bit. Curry in attack mode. You've got the balance of three really good defenders out there. We talked about Curry's defense. And then you've got Porter who can knock down a shot as well. That That seemed to be the best physical matchup uh, lineup uh, just from a from a balance length standpoint to to really fend off the way the Celtics like to play with with their group that can be so tough and speaking of groupings I know one of the Warriors concerns is when you have Draymond and Looney on the floor at the same time is there enough offense and Peyton also the same type of thing those three guys combined I, they didn't spend a lot of time if any on the floor together tonight but they were combined let's see eight of nine 12 for 13, the three of them, Green and Looney and Peyton combined, took 13 shots and made 12 of them. So that definitely was not an issue tonight, worrying about what happens offensively when we have Loon and, and Draymond and then at other times Peyton on the floor. Uh, 888-957-9570. A couple of minutes of Gary Payton, the second here coming up on 
Warriors wrap up before we call it a night. But let's get a couple of more callers in here. Travis in Burlingame is next on Warriors wrap up. Hey, Travis. Hey, guys. Thanks for letting me on. Just real quick, a couple of observations uh, that I saw between game one and two is I think you could see the difference between um, the youthful Celtics and then the old veteran uh, experienced um, players in game two. And the major difference I see in the longevity of whether the Celtics can keep it up or whether the Warriors would keep it up, I think the advantage uh, would go to the Warriors because of the experience and things like that. But when you saw the game get kind of tight, uh, you saw the Celtics kind of melt down and didn't really have any idea what to do from there on. Uh, you, you just saw them implode and, you know, the Warriors took over. But the same thing happened in game one. But the difference between the two is that in game one, the Celtics, you know, they hit some shots that should, like, more times than not are not going to go in. And so it's kind of the luck of the jar for them. Whereas in game two, the Warriors seemed in control. Uh, when things were a little tight, they didn't panic. Um, and I think you're going to get more games like that than you would in game one the rest of the series. And that's why I feel pretty comfortable uh, saying that the Warriors have won this in six. Thanks, guys. Yep, good call. appreciate it, Travis. Mm-hmm. Good, good phone call. Go ahead, Whitey. No, I had the same, I mean, as he described it there, the same type of feeling. He's right. And I know that I had said before the game, you know, that wasn't just all about the Celtics getting lucky in game one, and it wasn't. But the Warriors took care of all the things about that that went wrong for them that they could control. And, yeah, the bottom line, as Travis said, the Warriors had command of the game tonight. Even in game one, even when they were ahead, J.D., it didn't feel like, hmm, I mean, they're playing okay here and they have a lead, but they didn't ever feel like they really had command of the game. And tonight they definitely led by Steph and some of the things Draymond was doing. They definitely had command and control of this contest tonight. All right, M-Squared in Dublin is going to be our final caller of the night. What's going on, M-Squared? You're on Warriors Wrap-Up here. you got the last word. Whitey, J.D., thanks for getting me in. I apologize if any of this is redundant because I I just hopped on, but a couple quick points I wanted to throw out. Um, First one J.D., you're spot on. I mean, GP2 was absolutely the difference maker and critical. And had we had we deployed him, you know, early in the fourth quarter on, in the last game, I think we stopped the bleeding and you know, maybe have a different outcome. I'm, I'm not quite sure. But what he did on Derek White tonight was wild. Um, Looney, you know, he continues to impress me. I, I just I, I can't tell you how many times I've counted this guy out and wanted to trade him. Um, unbelievable. And then, you know, the other big thing I wanted to point out, I don't know if anybody talked about this yet, but this is the this is the second game where I've seen Belizia look really, um, you know, just different on defense. And then by that same token, I mean, Steph had an amazing game outside of his offense. I mean, he, was, he had his hands in every passing lane. He was anticipating passes. He was just phenomenal. Um, I'm really excited to see him play that way, to play both ends of the ball, especially for all the flack that guy gets. Um, that's all. Uh, thanks for getting me in. I just wanted to drop those quick points on y'all. I'm out. Yeah, he Steph was awesome on defense. I know why do you you pointed it out tonight. Others have. I mean, he he was he was terrific. And and to to be able to do that and control the game the way that he did as the point guard, and then also to be able to to hit a bunch of big threes and 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 go on the the Curry flurry that that helped the Warriors flip this game in in their favor. 
Yeah, just because you have a lot of steals, you can get a lot of steals and not play good defense. Tonight the Warriors did play good defense, and they had 15 steals. Steph had three, Looney had three, and Otto Porter Jr., those three guys had three steals for the Warriors tonight, and Steph made some big, big big-time plays breaking up passes. All right, let's go ahead and hear a couple of minutes of Gary Payton II, uh, difference maker in this one. Uh, he Podium game for him downstairs here inside Chase Center at the finals uh, and playing for the first time in five weeks. He went down five weeks from today back on May the 1st, that game one on the Sunday afternoon in Memphis. Uh, here's uh, some GP2. Gary, you've talked just about how much you wanted to get back on the court after being out for a month with the injury. What was it like to be here for the NBA Finals? Uh, it was amazing. You know, I was just itching to get out there. I was in the tunnel just walking back and forth pacing, uh, waiting for, for Coach to call me. Um, he kind of pump faked me at first for a little bit, got me going. But, uh, you know, after I got on the floor, it kind of calmed down and, you know, settled in. Hey, Gary, um, what were the emotions of the last p- couple of weeks just being out, having to watch the team from the sidelines, wishing you were out there, knowing that, you know, you're one of the best perimeter defenders and you could be out there affecting things? I mean, what was it like for you? Were you chomping at the bit? Uh, yeah, it was, just, it was just frustrating, you know, um, that I can come out there and, you know, just help my teammates. Uh, and it's been frustrating, you know, since the injury. But uh, like the last week, I knew I was very close. So it was just anticipation and, you know, just antsy, just ready to get out there. What was the look in Draymond's eyes like tonight? It seems like he was even more engaged and yapping at everybody. And, and how much did that sort of set the tone for your defense? Absolutely. Uh, we knew our backs were against the wall. Uh, we couldn't go into Boston being down 2-0. So he lit the fire under us. And as this whole season, uh, he lit it and everybody else follows. And tonight was one of those big nights that uh, everybody responded. Did it hurt when you fell, you know, on that, uh, I guess, transition? No, no. Did you fall on the left elbow? I tried to tuck and roll as best I could. <laughs> Does the elbow hurt when you're out there playing? No, I don't. It's adrenaline. We're just going. How about the three from the corner? I mean, how much have you been able to shoot over the last couple of weeks with your left arm? Quite a lot. Okay. It looks pretty good, doesn't it? You hit it. Gosh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, what was the difference between the team's intensity in terms of like closing out and defense on the perimeter compared to game one? Just energy and effort. We was kind of soft first uh, in the first game, and that was our emphasis is coming out this game and just being aggressive, you know, and just being the, playing the warrior basketball that we know how to play and, and just be locked in on our defensive, you know, our assignments and no personnel. What did your dad tell you about playing in the finals? Did you, did you have any discussions with him about that? Absolutely not. I seen him when I checked in in the game. He was in over there in the corner with Detlef, and he just shook his head, and I said, yeah, I know that, that means it's time. So, you know, go to work. Hey, Gary. Uh, Steve said that Steph doesn't really get enough credit for what he does on the defensive end. Um, I'm curious if you agree with that and just how much he impacts the game on that end from your perspective. Um, Steph is a two-way player. You know, he, he does a lot on the other side, but he does a lot on the defensive side, too. He's in the right spots at the right time. He, he had, what, three steals tonight. You know, he's just in the right spot at the right time. Um, and he talks to he talks to his teammates. He's vocal and he leads by example on both sides of the court. And guys don't see it, but we see it on this team for sure. Toward the end of the game, the two of you were standing on the court, had towels over your head, talking. I was just wondering if you could share kind of what what was going on in that little moment with Steph. I was just asking him how his golf swing was. Yeah, that was about it. He said it looks pretty nice, so you guys might want to check that out. All right, good stuff uh, there from Gary Payton the second. <laughs> Two-way Steph, I think the biggest <laughs> takeaway from, from that there, Whitey. You know, he's such a great defender. If you look at his shooting uh, for the postseason this year, it's it's unbelievable. I believe he's 
I think he's 19 of 25 now from the floor in the postseason. Uh, it, it, and I think he's 7 of 9 beyond, beyond the arc. I mean, that's unbelievable, J.D. That's incredible. And this is for a defensive player. Yeah, it is. And I, I'll be honest, I didn't think that three was going down uh, when he took it from the corner, given the way that the free throws looked. But but he was able to make it, and it did look good. And I know, you know, it sounds like he was able to do a little bit more than maybe the Warriors let on. Uh, I think there was some gamesmanship maybe going on uh, over the course mm. of, of the last couple of weeks, although Steve Kerr did uh, acknowledge the fact that, that he was – not totally comfortable with his ability to get out there in in game one, but maybe the injury to Igadala sort of forced the the action a little bit on that. Couple of notes here uh, to close this thing out. Uh, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, Whitey, fortieth time teams have split the first two games in the finals. Previous thirty nine, the team that wins game three has gone on to win. 32 of the prior 39. Warriors five and zero now after a loss in the playoffs. All five wins coming at home and all whitey with an average margin of victory of 15.4 points uh the warriors avoided the 2-0 which is still never happened in a playoff series for the warriors under steve kerr and it hasn't happened in the steph clay draymond era either going back to the three playoff series they had uh with with mark jackson and uh, the warriors also won Game two of the NBA Finals for a fifth consecutive time. Going back to the note on the 1-1 and game three, mm-hmm. it is interesting. The Warriors have won all three game threes that they've played in the playoffs. The Celtics are 1-2 and two in game threes, and 1-2 and two in game threes... Uh, losing, obviously, to Miami and, and losing to, to Milwaukee prior to that, but yet they've been able to to bounce back and, and win the series. Bottom line tonight, as we said before the game, the Warriors had to uh, establish things defensively. Everything they did had to start at that end, and they had to play with a lot more force and make the Celtics feel them at both ends, and they absolutely did that tonight. And it's remarkable that the Warriors lose the first game of the funnels at home and can still feel as confident as they obviously do as the series goes back to Boston now for Game 3. Yeah, and one more note. We mentioned the 88 points fewest the Celtics have scored in any game so far in the in the playoffs. The previous few was or fewest was Milwaukee on in Game One of the that second round series, and the Warriors 35-14 plus 21 in the third quarter. Their best differential in any quarter of the finals uh, in franchise history. So the best quarter, the, all the times the Warriors have been in the finals, uh, that was their best quarter of the finals, that, that third quarter uh, that they were able to put on the Celtics in the ball game tonight. So good stuff, Whitey. And uh, as we start to shift toward Wednesday night, man, uh, headed to Boston tomorrow. Mm. And uh, that's going to be a hell of a week, a bright and early 540, the flight out to Boston, and uh, going to be covering practice on Tuesday and the game on Wednesday and practice on Thursday and uh, then game four on Friday. So it's going to be a hell of a week. Looking forward to it, my man. And then uh, we'll, we'll close it all out. I know we got Warriors wrap-up both nights in Boston, and then we're going to close out the week uh, with Warriors this week on Saturday before heading back to the Bay and getting ready for a, for a game five, man. Uh, yeah. Really been fun and really looking mm-hmm. forward to it. Yeah, me too. This is this is a real treat. I appreciate all the callers, uh, all the insight, and appreciate working with you, J.D., and I can't wait for Game 3. This is a lot of fun.
Yeah, so that'll do it for us. Uh, thanks to, to Sterling Bennett and Craig Valentino and everybody in our San Francisco studios. Excellent work by everyone as uh, the Warriors even this thing up at 107.88, a 1-1 series for Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. We're back after the game on Wednesday as uh, we're doing the three hours that night. Uh, so look for us after the ball game all the way up until midnight. Same thing on Friday. Damon and Ratto will have Warriors live for you at 430 on Wednesday, leading you up to Game 3 of the NBA Finals. So we'll talk to you then. Uh, That'll do it. Warriors and Celtics tied at 1. Game 3 Wednesday, and you'll hear it all right here on your home for Warriors basketball. It's 95.7 The Game. Good night. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.